I want you to turn to Jonah chapter 2. The last two weeks we have been looking at uh, Jonah in chapter 1. We've seen where God has called him to go to a faraway place to cry against the city of Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria, which is the enemy of Israel. We see Jonah's response was that he just kind of left. He went in the opposite direction and he boarded a ship. And while he was on that ship, God got his attention by throwing up a fierce storm. Bad enough to where sailors who were used to being on dangerous seas, it says they were afraid. And a couple of other times during that storm, as they were having conversations, trying to figure out what the cause of this storm was, who was God against, and all this, it says that these storms were increasing in intensity on a couple of other occasions. And eventually, they, Jonah, and they reluctantly, they figured out it was Jonah, they reluctantly threw him overboard, and then the seas calmed, and it says that those sailors were very afraid. I always thought that was kind of an interesting thing. In the middle of the storm, they were afraid, but as soon as the storm calmed down, they were very afraid. And we see that as the storm calmed down, that God had sent a great fish and swallowed up Jonah. And then in chapter 2, it begins in verse 1, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol, and you heard my voice. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and in current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. And so I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever, and you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord." And then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. We see here that in, in, right off the bat, Jonah turns his attention to God and pray. Now, here's, here's what I want us to kind of not wrestle with, but to consider. In the last verse in chapter 1, it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah up, and Jonah was in the fish for three days and three nights. Chapter 2, verse 10, after the prayer, then the Lord commanded the fish, it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. <clears throat> Many times when we think about this story, we think that, you know, Jonah actually prayed this prayer and then he was vomited up on the land. As if Jonah was in the fish for a couple of days, not necessarily praying, but this prayer was what he prayed, and then Jonah was put up on dry land. I would like for us to think about it this way, is that this prayer, and I hope you see this later on, this prayer possibly is a summation of three days of praying in that fish. It's three days of him just kind of going to the Lord and praying over and over and over again, and then being thrown up on dry land. 
Now, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that that's exactly what happened, and I'm not saying that this is one long prayer that Jonah prayed and it, and, 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 and it happened. What I'm saying is that this text here gives us some indications that there was more going on here than just Jonah being in a fish, praying a prayer, however long it took me to pray this, this, read this prayer, pray this prayer, and then God threw him up on dry land. So, Jonah was in a crazy situation. His situation made him desperate. And I, and, and, and I want us to think about this situation. He said, it's not like our VBS pictures that we see. Jonah inside a fish where this stomach is like a big cavity and he's got a table and a chair and a light and a book and all this stuff going on. It's nothing like that at all. It is dark. It is wet. It is possibly humid as all get out. It is constricted. It's not like he has a lot of room to move around. There is stuff coming in and going out. There's, there's all sorts of things going on, and, and, and I have no doubt that it smells. And in that situation, Jonah became incredibly desperate. It, it, it says that here, when it says, he said, I called out in my distress to the Lord in verse 2, verse Later on, I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. In verse 4, I have been expelled from your sight. He, he talks about how he has been expelled. Jonah was perfectly fine being away from the presence of the Lord. Do you remember back in chapter 1 on a couple of occasions where he said that he was running from the presence of the Lord? He wanted to get away from the presence. As long as it was on his terms, he was perfectly okay to be away from God. To think that he was getting something over on God. To think that he was running away from God. He was perfectly fine with that. But as soon as God got his attention in the belly of a fish, Jonah did not necessarily like that a whole lot. I don't know of anyone in this room that would like anything like that. Me personally, I don't, I'm not claustrophobic. I have been in closets where I have just, I have actually laid in a coffin and had them close it on me. That was, not, that was not fun, but I wasn't like freaking out over it like my roommate did when I lowered, lowered the thing on. He just started punching it. He just started screaming and hollering. I'm not that kind of claustrophobic, but when I think about being inside of a warm, humid, wet, smelly environment, I mean, fish, fish smell bad if you leave it out for a little while anyway. Get inside one. Think, you know, cut one open and put your nose up to it. Me, I'm not, I love to fish. And when I fish, I, you know, I, 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 you know, you get fish on your hands and, and I'm not, I don't sit around going, boy, this is lavender. It's nothing like that at all. I don't walk around smelling my hands. I do kind of put it in people's face that think I didn't catch any fish. Well, smell this. It's not an attractive environment to be in. And in, this, and, and in this time, as long as he is running from God on his own terms, but as soon as he realized that it is God who is getting his attention and put him in this, he did not like it. Verse 5 says, Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. I descended to the roots of the mountains. Think about this. He's in this fish. The mountains are up here. Then you've got sea level here. He's probably fine with sea level, but the roots of those mountains go deep into the ground, go deep into the depths of these oceans or seas. This, the, he, he is not, this fish isn't just kind of wandering around on the surface. 
This fish is diving. Now, a lot of people will say this. They'll say, well, logically, can, it, can this really happen? Can it really happen where a man gets inside a fish and can survive? I mean, you're talking about all these, not only what I just talked about, but going deep. You know, how deep can a man go before, you know, pressure gets to him? Or, you know, what about the acids in the fish stomach and all? And then this is my only response. I don't know. I mean, I'm no scientist or anything, but this is what I do know. If God can open up a sea for the Israelites to cross and get away from Pharaoh, he can keep Jonah safe inside a fish. If God can keep a lion's mouth shut in the den he, for, and, and protect Daniel, he can protect Jonah from the gastric juices of a fish stomach. If he can protect three men who refuse to bow down and be thrown into a fiery furnace or anything like that, I believe God can take care of Jonah in a fish. And, and he's probably got him in this. I mean, think about it. In the end times, who in the world thinks that there will be a fire there will be an environment where the lost will be cast into and they will never die. They will be in anguish and all that. Who believes that's not going to happen? The scriptures teach that. Jesus talks about that. God can work his miracles in any place. And, he, and I believe that here, this is one of his miracles that he did. And so I don't want to have any logical conversations about how this plays out. This is God doing something. So many times there is very little logical about how God does something. God does things on his terms. We don't have to figure out what that is or how that works or anything. We just have to kind of follow suit and obey. That's the, that's the end of it. We don't have to sing, well, how am I going to be able to afford that, God? How am I going to be able to learn that, God? How am I? Believe me, when we went overseas and we had to learn another language, man, I didn't think that would ever happen in my life. And especially a language where it looks like you throw spaghetti on the wall and you're supposed to read it, like Arabic. And they write, read it from right to left, not left to right. I mean, my brain's mixed up anyway. It was hard to get my head around that. But over time, I started learning. And it was something that as I put effort into it, God, God worked a miracle in me to help me learn that. And so I'm not going to keep, say that God can't do these things. And, and I'm not going to sit around and try to figure out how did Jonah really survive in there. God did this. And he got his attention. And in his desperation... When Jonah finally was desperate enough, that's when he turned his attention to God. The very first verse says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the stomach of the fish. He did not ask. I often wondered about that. I wonder if, if for a little while he was in there trying to find a way out. You ever thought about it? You know, just, you know, did he know where he was? I mean, I don't... I don't know if, if, you know, he enters the water and then something shows up and he gets swallowed up. Did he know what was going on around him? Was he aware of what was going on until after the fact, after he threw him up, turned around and looked and this big fish was swimming off? I don't know how all that, I don't, I don't know how, and it's really, it's irrelevant. But in the middle of all that, was he trying to figure a way to get out? Was he like my roommate trying to punch himself out of that coffin? Was he trying to rip open this stomach membrane? Was he trying to find stuff in there to kind of poke and prod? If he knew what was going on, was he trying to make this thing throw up? No, he says that he cried out to God. He knew immediately that he was in a situation where he cried. In verse 2, he says, I called out in my distress to the Lord. I cried for help. In verse 7, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you. In his de desperation, he turned to God 
who he tried to remove himself from. In the midst of this terrible situation he's in, he immediately turns to God who he was trying to run from. God got his attention. This fish was just a tool, an instrument, a way for God to get his attention. And that's what God did. He got his attention. In this situation, Jonah, he became desperate. He cried out to God in his desperation. And, I, and, and, and this is the part I want. We're going to spend just a little bit of time on this part of it right here. This is the part that I believe that is where Jonah may have not just prayed one prayer, but he could have been praying prayers for three days, two days, two and a half days, a day and a half, whatever it is. As I began looking over this prayer, I started noticing in some of the references, there was a lot of references to Psalms. You know, you got your study Bibles and you look, and as I started looking up these verses, I, it wasn't just that these were kind of close to, there were some of these things that were incredibly almost word for word spot on as if Jonah was quoting scripture. And not just the scripture itself, but even what the writer of that certain psalm was, the situation they were in kind of lines up almost with what Jonah was going through. I want, to, I, want to, I want to go through this prayer with you. All I want you to do is to look at each verse that I tell you to look at, and I'm going to read a psalm that kind of correlates with that and give you kind of just a real one or two sentences background on what that psalm is dealing with, all right? I just kind of want you to see. Now, some of these are going to be, you're going to go, wow, that was, that was right on. I mean, that was, man, they used the same words and everything. And some of them, they're going to be a little, you know, seem like they're a little bit of a stretch, but you'll see the content is really close. Verse Jonah in verse two, I called out of my distress to the Lord and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol and you heard my voice. In Psalm 120 verse one, it says this, in my distress, I cried unto the Lord and he heard me. This was a Psalm of an unknown writer who was in a land far away from Jerusalem. He was actually trying to make a journey toward Jerusalem. But he was going through some incredible difficulties because of the people around him. There were pagans there that did not want peace with this, with, with, with this writer or the people that were trying to get back to Jerusalem. Verse 3. For you had cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All your breakers and billows passed over me. Psalm 42, 7. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and all your waves have rolled over me. The writer here is just talking about thirsting for God in trouble and exile. They're surrounded by mockers. They're, 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 they're being ridiculed. And, and, but they realize that in this moment that it is God... God who has taken them through this. Matter of fact, Psalm 42, it starts off, you're probably familiar with the verse, uh, as a deer pants toward the water, so my soul longs after you, O God. Verse 4, so I said, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your temple. Psalm 31, 22, as for me, I said in my alarm, I am cut off from before your eyes. Nevertheless, you heard the voice of my supplications when I cried to you. This is David just going through. A, he's, he's, he starts off in this psalm complaining. He ends up in this psalm praising God. 
It's going from like a, 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 a bad place toward a place of assurance in his life. Verse 5, water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. Psalm 61, or 69, 1, save me, O God, for the waters have threatened my life. This is a psalm of David who realizes that there are people out there who hate him and are wanting to kill him. Verse 6, I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. Psalm 30, verse 3. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. You have kept me alive that I would not go down to the pit. David, this again is just another psalm where he is... in. In the beginning, he is arrogant about who he is and, the, and, and his situation, and he's moving towards a place of recognizing that his troubles are coming on to him because of some of the things he's done, and he is giving God glory towards the end. He is recognizing God's grace towards the end. While I was, verse 7, while I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you and to your holy temple. In Psalm 142, 3, it says, When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you knew my path. In the way where I walked, that, I have, that they have hidden a trap for me. This is just David in a psalm where he's hiding in a cave from Saul. And he thinks, man, these people are out to get me. Verse 8, those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. Psalm 31, 6, I hate those who regard vain idols, but I trust in the Lord. The same, this, this same Psalm 31 is one we just talked about, about David, who was going from complaining to praising. And finally, verse 9, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Psalm 116 17 and 18 says, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. This is just another psalm from an unknown writer who is writing about saving, that God has saved his life. When I read through that, and listen, that's not, that's not all. Those are just individual psalms that I pulled out. You can find many others, as you, and you might even find some ones that are closer correlated with those, with those specific verses out of Jonah 2. You might find the be better verses for that. I just kind of pulled these out just to give, because it gave me the impression that Jonah was in this fish, in this uncomfortable, desperate situation, and from the beginning, he turned his attention to God, and being a prophet of Israel, and you know, growing up, learning and teaching the, the scriptures and all that, no doubt he was down there thinking through all the things, whether it was David or another psalmist, the situations that they have all these things that were going on, he was thinking through the scriptures. And he was praying through the scriptures. How many times have we been in a place where we did not know what to pray? Things around us were so crazy and so out of control that we had no idea what to pray. I shared with you Last, a couple of weeks ago and last week, my story about how God had got my attention about my attitude toward the Moroccans that I was, he called me there to work with and how I thought I had recognized where I was wrong, but I still had not come to a place where I would love them. I'd gotten over 
tried to stop thinking the bad things, but I had still was struggling with all sorts of stuff in, in, in my life. And it wasn't until that time when I was sitting in my office at the International Church in Fez, Morocco, that as I prayed, I didn't know what to pray. I even you know, was begging out to God, you know, to give me, give me things to think about. Give me, will, will the Holy Spirit pray through me so that, that you know my situation? Will you help me get over? And it, it was a time when God started reminding me of passages of challenge and, and my, where he challenged me in my past to, just to show me that just because I got over that hurdle, I wasn't willing to get over the other hurdles. I wasn't willing to completely submit to everything. I was willing to do that part, but not this part. He, he just began just revealing scriptures to me over and over again. And as I prayed those scriptures and started committing to those things that God was doing in my life, that is when, I, it didn't happen like this, but that was when I could tell a difference in my life. And that was when others could tell a difference in my life. Not that I had arrived. I was still struggling with this. I was still kind of pushing back on God on some of these things. But in all of this, God was bringing me to a place where I had to not just get fire insurance, not just have salvation to keep from going to hell, but to have salvation so that I could pursue him and all that he had for me. Too often, when I, especially when I was in youth ministry, I used to sit down and talk with teenagers a lot because we would go to these camps and every year it seems like, seems like you could see the same kids going up and making the same decisions every year at, at camp. And I thought, this is, this is a problem. We've got to be able to do something about this. And, 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 of course, many times it was just getting caught up in the emotion of hanging out with their friends. It was always that last night when everybody was singing Friends are Friends Forever by Michael W. Smith and all that. that matter of fact, that's one of the worst songs on the planet as far as I'm concerned. I know there's a lot of people who love it. Me, I heard, I've heard that enough. We actually had a song that said, Friends are Friends till Friday till we all go home from camp. That was what we sang. And so, but they would sing friends are friends forever and they would huddle together and they would cry and they would come forward and make decisions and all this. And the next year, those same kids would come forward. They were getting caught up. They weren't truly pursuing Christ. They were pursuing the emotion of the moment, whatever that might have been at the time. And, and, and at worst, just wanting to stay out of hell. And yes, hell is there as a deterrent. Hell is there to get our attention and all that. But it's not good enough. We will not experience all that God has for us if all we're doing is trying to stay out of hell. The only way that we can experience all that God has for us is to pursue him in everything that we have and everything that we, we're about. At what point here did Jonah turn his attention toward God and started crying out to him. At what point do we actually see maybe a sense of repentance in Jonah in this story? Could it have been back at chapter 1 and verse 9 when they were trying to figure out what was going on with this storm? They cast lots. It you know, kind of fell on Jonah. Who are you? And he said, you know, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord God of heaven and, 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 and all that. Was it at the time when he said, I feared God? 
Or maybe it was at verse 12 where he said, man, listen, if you just cast me over the sea, or over, or out, out, to sea or out of the boat into the sea, everything's going to be fine. Was it at that point that he said, okay, you know, I'm causing this. I'm responsible for this. You know, you guys need to get rid of me. And was it at that point he was turning his attention toward God? Was it early in, his, in this prayer when he was calling out to God in his despair like we saw earlier? Or was it in chapter 2, verse 9, when he says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. You see, I think right here he is, he, he, he is turning his attention to God and he's saying all the right things, but is he truly repentant? Is he truly submitting to everything that God has for him? I think we're going to see in the next couple of chapters, we're going to see that there's still a little bit of this that he's holding on to. There's still a little bit of this that's going to frustrate Jonah. He's not fully submitting, fully surrendering. He says, okay, get me out of this fish, and I will go to Nineveh and tell those people what you want me to tell them. Just get me out of this fish. That's what it looks like here when, in light of all of Jonah, the four chapters. He is not truly pursuing the will of God as much as he is just the direction of God in this one instance. Think about it. He is not the will of God. What, there are some things we are all supposed to be doing in the will of God, right? The will of God is that people will repent and believe in all that Jesus Christ has done. His birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, the ascension, and, and all that. That we are to believe in all of that. That we are to be, the will of God is that believers are to be baptized. The will of God is that people will gather together. It says, do not forsake the gathering of the brother, the brethren, or gathering of the church. It, it says that we will participate in the Lord's Supper. It says that we will give to the ministry of the church. Matter of fact, if you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, it says this, that you are to rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in everything, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So that's pretty, those three things are, this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. There's things like that all throughout the scripture that tell us this is the will of God. We're not, we're not, those are things we're all supposed to be doing. But every now and then God says, I want you to do this. I want you to do this. I want you to stop doing this. I want you to begin doing this. I want you to continue doing this. And that's going to look different for all of us. I've shared with you many times, you know, uh, I, when, I became a, when I became a Christian, I was, uh, you know, I, I wasn't some party-crazed guy, but I, I did go out dancing, and I did go out drinking, and I did hang out with friends. I was all into pornography and all this kind of stuff. And, it, and, and when I became a Christian, I didn't know that pornography was a bad thing. I just thought, well, you know, God created sexuality and all that kind of stuff. I just continued on into that until I started learning more and more about it and how that displeased God. And, it, and listen, it was a wrestling match for years because of how that had taken root in my life. It wasn't something that I, had to, I could ignore. It was something that I had to fight with the help of others to get over that. Drinking was something that I don't believe that God says thou shalt not drink. I, say, I believe he says to you, don't go get drunk. 
But for me, I had to stop drinking altogether for multiple reasons that God laid on my heart. One was being a stumbling block to others that were around me. One was just the temptation of how is that going to slip me back into that lifestyle again. There were all sorts of things that God was laying on my heart. Now, I don't impose those onto other people. That's what God told me. And God continues to speak to all of us in many different ways. And sometimes, sometimes, God will bring about a desperate situation in each of our lives to get our attention so that we will draw our attention back to him and that he is pursuing us and calling us to himself so that we will do what he wants us to do and become what he wants us to become, whatever that might be. I find it interesting that the first eight verses of that prayer are in the past tense. But verse 9 is in future tense. And I don't believe that's a mistake. I believe that is... Now, now, now think about this. I, I, I do remember a time in my naivete early on in my Christian walk, that first couple of years when I heard this story, I, I was just imagining Jonah writing all this stuff down while he's in the stomach of the fish. That's just, that's just the way I, you know, again, I was 23 years old, 24 years old, something like that. I became a Christian when I was 22. And I do remember reading this story and I'm thinking, you know, Matt, it's, it's talking about, and I prayed and I, but here it says, and I will do this. And I'm thinking, wow, man, he's writing this stuff down in the stomach of a fish. No, I, we know that's not the case. We know it wasn't like he had a iPod or iPad or tablet or anything like that to write with in there we know that this is him recalling some of the stuff and this is one of the reasons why i believe this prayer is a summation of three days of his praying scripture and he's just writing these things down showing that man i was turning to god and i was turning to god in his word because let me just tell you this here here's a little thing for all of us this is something for all of us there are two sources of authority in our life two sources the word of god and the presence of god that's it the Word of God and the presence of God. And that presence of God could be the Holy Spirit within us now. Could have been when Jesus was walking around with the disciples. There was the presence of God. It, 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 all throughout history, God was present. And the people decided, were they going to engage God, pursue God, do what God says? We know even in Isaiah, Isaiah 59, I believe it is, your, God's arm is not so short that he can't reach you and his ear is not so deaf that he can't hear you, but your sin has become between you and your God. God pursues us and he wants us. But here, Jonah is writing future tense as if from now onward, I will keep my vow. I will, pray, I will be praying thanksgivings. I will turn my attention. I do know that salvation is from the Lord. What is it in our lives, in your life? Listen, none of us in this room has arrived. All right, let's just go ahead and put that out there. None of us in this room has arrived. And believe me, I stand before you saying, there's no way I have arrived. And so I know that my journey continues on. There are still things I'm discovering about what God wants me to surrender, to do, to get rid of. To all, these, all these, There are things in my life periodically that God uses circumstances or people in my life to let me know these things. And so I continue to grow and continue to mature. And what I discover is during that time, I can experience more of God's joy and hope and peace 
when things around me might be chaotic, when things around me might be out of control, that God still allows me as I pursue him to experience those things. Now, I don't experience those things all the time because there are those times when I am rebellious, that I am pushing back, when I am rejecting what God wants me to do. But as we look at this prayer and we see Jonah in a desperate situation, we don't have to be in a desperate situation. What is it that God wants you to do? I was, I was in, a, in, in a room with some college students recently. When John was here, he had a bunch of college students over, and I was there in the room, and somebody said, well, listen, you know, you, you and Shannon, you know, y'all seem to have a good relationship. What is your advice? What is your advice to us about looking for future spouses? And I only had two words of advice for him. So number one, you need to be patient. You just, you just need to be patient. Don't go rushing off trying to marry the first person that gives you the time of day. Just don't do it. And the second thing is, become the person that deserves the person you want. Become the person that deserves the person you want in your life. I've heard that advice from day one. When, when, before Shannon and I got married, we were engaged. And the, the elders of the church in Connecticut met Shannon, and when she left and went back during spring break, she went left, went back to college. I was still in Connecticut. We're planning our wedding and all that, and they looked at me and they says, "Man, you do not deserve that woman. You need to become the man that deserves that woman." And it's been a process. It's been a job. I, I listened to them, and I, part of them were joking, but they were part of them that were going, "Man, she's an incredible lady. You need to raise the bar in your own life." But one of the things that one of them did say, because well, I mentioned something about, well, I believe that she's the woman I'm supposed to marry. And this one guy stepped in and he said, you know, there's a lot of things about the will of God we can know. There's some things that we shouldn't even try to figure out as much as we do other things. Number one, just focus on the scripture, figure out what God wants you to do personally and deal with that. But the other part of that is, where does God want you to go to college? I don't think God is all that wrapped up and concerned about where, God, where you think you might want to go to college. What kind of car should I buy? I know people who pray about, you know, I want, I, they look at their menu and they're praying to God, what should I pick out? I don't believe that God is so concerned about those types of things. We know what it is in the scripture that God wants us to do, but we spend so much time trying to figure out all of this peripheral stuff that's not necessarily written down in black and white in the scriptures, and we're trying to figure out all this stuff, and we ignore this. If we do this stuff right here, this stuff's going to work itself out. And that's what I have discovered over my life is that as I pursue the things that God has told me in his word and in his presence in my life, when I do that, there are things that just work out. But I have to intentionally pursue him and continue to do that and not get lazy like I can at times and just sit back and relax on my own merits and think that, wow, you know, I've read this Bible a few times. I've preached this Bible a few times. I've taught this Bible a few times. I've been a missionary for 14 years and a pastor for this many years and all this kind of stuff. I don't need to work on that so much anymore. That is a lie from the enemy for me and for you. And so Jonah here, as he, is, as he in his desperate situation, as he turns his attention toward God, he's turning his attention toward the scriptures in God, and we can do the same thing, no matter if we're in a desperate situation or not. We continue to pursue God through the scriptures in his presence.
And that is my challenge in this sermon. It's not so much about breaking down Jonah's prayer and, 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 and all that. It's big picture is, in his desperation, he turned his attention to God and the Word of God. That sounds like good counsel for every day of our life, every moment of our life. And not let the enemy bring in all the peripheral things to confuse us and to take our attention off of what it is that God wants us to do. In this room, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to say this and let you guys think that, you know, wow, we, we got our act together because David said this. But uh, in this room are some of the finest people who I know who are pursuing Christ in their day-to-day life. But I know also that I've been around missionaries who have been the same way, and we all stumble in this, where we tend to get caught up in pride because of that. Pride because we have a certain amount of knowledge. This church, you are far beyond a lot of churches I have ever been in. And you can be thankful for that and be encouraged by that, but do not let that go to your head. Because the enemy will use that. He's trying right now, I guarantee you, to get in your head right now and think, look at that. The pastor even says, you're all right. You don't need to do this. You don't need to worry about that. That's not what I'm saying. Do not come to a place where you're ever satisfied where we are in our walk with God. Pursue him 100% till the day you take your last breath. Pursue him, his presence, through his word. Pursue him. And don't let anybody or anything, whatever situation you might find, don't let it get you down. Don't let it take that away from you. God wants us to be a light in the community around us. He wants us to engage people with a hope that they don't have. And if we're not living in peace and hope and in joy, we have nothing that they want. So be challenged by that. Pursue God through the scriptures. And as you do that, continually submit to what God is pointing out in the scriptures. Let's pray. Father, I am... I am thankful for how you used Jonah several times in my past to kind of get me off of my lazy sofa, get me out of my arrogant attitudes, to keep me from, or to to get me away from just self sufficiency. God, just as you have tried to get my attention many times in the past. I have discovered that as I pursue you and your word, I find the answers that I need in the important questions. Father, help us all. Even if we are pursuing you through your word, Even if we are doing that, help us not be discouraged. Help us not become lazy. Help us to be persistent, long-suffering, and abiding in Christ and in his word and in his love. So that not only we 
We'll be able to experience all that you have for us, but we will be able to see others that we interact with, our neighbors, our coworkers, whoever they may be. We may be able to see them respond to you in faith because of what you have done in our lives and the lives of those throughout this church. Help us to love one another and to love the nations as you do, Father. And as we pursue you, be willing to submit to anything you wish. To submit not only to your word, but to your presence, your will in our life. And even those specific things that are personally for us. I thank you so much, Father, for not giving up on me when I was pushing away and wanting to do my own thing. Help us, Father, to walk in a way that is worthy of that great love. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.